All right, tonight, Genesis chapter 4. Starting at verse 1 through verse 8. Sister Sanders, would you read that for us? Genesis chapter 4, 1 through 8, coming from the King James Version. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the first, brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance failed. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto, and unto thee shall, his, shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. Mm. All right, tonight, thus far in the book of Genesis, we started with chapter 1, which is about the, what? Chapter 1 is about the um, creation. Creation. Amen. <laughs> chapter 2 is about Not quite. A little bit, a little bit, but if you kind of look at it, no, 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 not chapter two. We got Adam and Eve, right? but toward the end of chapter two, it, it gives us a picture of the, what relationship? The man and woman. That's right. The marriage covenant. The, mar the marriage covenant. So Adam and Eve and the marriage covenant. Chapter three. The fall of man. Now we come to chapter 4. Which we could easily call Cain and Abel. But I also want to bring out that chapter 4 is one of the saddest chapters in the entire Bible. Because chapter 4 is not just the story about the first and the second child of Adam and Eve. But it's about the first murder. It's about the first time that one man takes another man's life. And it's interesting that it is the first and second child of Adam and Eve. Second generation of the world. Murder shows up. And tonight I want us to think about something here. And that is what parents do in moderation 
their children moderation their children do in excess in chapter 3 what was the thing that stands out the most that Adam and Eve did they disobeyed God they broke God's law they did that which God said not to do but when they did this, God had pronounced to them that if they would eat from that tree, they would surely die. But in that chapter, Adam didn't kill Eve, nor did Eve kill Adam. But what the parents do in moderation, the children do in excess. So here in chapter 4, it says that she conceived and bore a child. And the first one's name was Cain and the second was Abel. Second generation. But before we get to, to verse 9, somebody's dead. Without going any further than that, there's application for us today. And that is our actions or not in a vacuum. When we think that we can do this sin or that sin and it doesn't affect anybody but me or anybody but you, we're lying to ourselves. Because the fact of the matter is sins can be generational. And so the sins that, that we commit can easily pass to the next generation and manifest themselves differently and a lot of times worse than the ones that we had in our generation. And so we have to be mindful of that when we're walking our walk because we have to be very careful to know that what we do affects our children, potentially our children's children, and generations to come. Even God told the, the, the people of Israel that because of their sins, it would visit their children and their children's children. So here we're starting to see the results of what Adam and Eve did, and we see in our lives, in our children, the results of what we've done. And, and in, for some case, you know, What's water under the bridge is water under the bridge. But what you have to do is you're still living as an example. You're still a parental or grandparent parental example. And you have to stop right where you are and remember that anything that you're doing can affect your children and children's children. You don't know what they really see. Well, sometimes when you think you're getting away with something, 
they're still seeing it. It was like when I was growing up, uh, my mother had passed, but there was another lady in the community that took me under her wing and, you know, brought me up with her children. And, and she was one who dipped snuff. She did it very discreetly, discreetly because she would all, she'd never do it in front of us. And I bet she thought that she had hidden that from us. But we found out anyway. So one day when she wasn't in the room and she had it hidden, she thought, we're proging around. You know our kids, you as your kids, you probe around and looking at stuff, and we found it. And what that caused us to want to do is wanted us, and we thought we were going to act grown, and so we're trying to get tobacco into. But it's what we do, and we don't even know that our children are seeing it. We have a responsibility to try to live right, regardless of whether or not they see it or not, because you don't know what they're going to find out. The Bible lets us know what is done in the dark will come to the light. So in this, in this chapter, we see that here down as the process of time went on, that it came time to bring an offering. And Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Does anybody have an idea why God didn't respect Cain's, but he respected Abel. Anybody have an idea? Well, it says that Abel brought the first of his and Abel, I'm, I'm sorry, Abel brought the first of his and Cain just brought some of his. Ah, so here we see that Abel brought the firstborn of the flock and of their fat, but Cain just brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Okay, that fact is now brought out. What's significant about that? What's significant about what he did versus what Cain did? His heart. His heart. And from this, is it easy to see at all why the firstborn of the flock was respected more by God than the offering of the fruit of the field. I mean, after all, Abel was a, what? A tender of the flock. That's what he did. Cain was a agriculturalist, if you will, a farmer. That's what he did. So it seems like Abel is just bringing what he did and Cain is bringing what he did, right? <coughs> but there is this firstborn piece. Any ideas why, from what you know about the scriptures in totality, any ideas why that would be seen as something God would be pleased with versus what Cain did? Well, it shows that you're keeping God first in everything that you do. All right. So you're keeping God first. All right. Here we go. And also, he gave him his best. He gave him his best. All right. That's real good. Keeping God first and giving him his best. Now, in the midst of this, hold your place right here. 
And let's go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, now this is from the English Standard Version. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Take a, take a moment and just think about this. Take this slowly. And think about what Abel did. By faith, Abel offered a what? Sacrificial offering. He offered to God a more excellent mm -hmm. sacrifice mm -hmm. than Cain. Why was it more? Now, think about the Bible and what you know about the word completely. The whole canon of Scripture why? Now we're in the hall of faith. Why is what he did a more excellent sacrifice? And it didn't say by faith came. It only says by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. What's more excellent about his sacrifice? I think in, in more, he gave his best. Okay. He expected that God would bless him with more like Cain just kind of gave him what he you know what he wanted to because if he had given his best of the fruit or whatever then he don't have it anymore and so maybe he was thinking well what am I going to do if I give you the best but Abel just stepped out on faith and said this is the best you know sheep and this is the best fatty portions and all that and you can have it Lord because I know you'll bless me uh-huh now that's a good answer Let's dig even a little deeper than that, because that's a good answer. Now let's go a little deeper than that. What kind of sacrifice did Abel give? What was it that he gave? The animal. An animal. Okay, now back here in Genesis. The firstborn of his flock. Mm -hmm. And the fattest one of them. And the fattest one of them. The firstborn. What does this sound like? Something we know from scripture. All right, all right, good. Okay, sounds like the tithes. What else does this sound like? What What else has this same? Is it where he told where he told? I don't remember who that he had to sacrifice his son. Okay, Abraham. All right, his only son. Right. Okay, we're still getting the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, all right, okay. All right. Sacrificial offering for us. For us. Okay. So Isaac was a type of sacrificial. Uh-huh. Which is a type of So it's a type of sacrifice by extension a type of Go further. Who was the ultimate sacrifice? Jesus Christ. That's right. So a type of Christ. Now, he was his first born 
of the lineage he was supposed to, the way he was supposed to go. He wasn't his physically firstborn child for Abraham, but he was his firstborn the way he should have done things through the lineages through Sarah. Now, he put on the altar to be a sacrifice. Now we go back to Abel. He's got the firstborn of his flock, his sheep. And he is doing what with it? He is it's going to be used as a sacrifice to the Lord. So now, what's different about Cain's when you think about it from a sacrificial standpoint and a type than it is of what Abel gave? Cain just gave some fruit. It says of the ground. That's right. He just picked up something and just gave it to the Lord. Uh huh. Of what he did, what was what was comfortable for him. Right. Abel gave up what he loved. Not only that, he gave up what God required. Because what does that firstborn of his flock point towards? It's the firstborn. It's the sheep. Jesus Christ is the. The lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. He is that sacrifice. So what faith was Abraham, I mean, Abel pointing to? By faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice because his sacrifice was a sacrifice of faith in the Messiah. It, 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 override, it overrides just that immediate thing. God evidently had already told them what he was requiring. And Abel brought it. But Cain could have so easily did the same thing from the same flock. But he didn't. He got what was more comfortable, not what God was requiring. Because the faith offering was an offering that was given so that it pointed toward Christ. It pointed toward, for them, the Messiah that was to come. The one that had been promised in chapter 3. The seed that was promised, that was to come. So the problem with Cain's is it did not, it did not line up with God required. And it did not point to his faith in the Messiah to come. Does that make sense? Because it's by faith able did what he did by faith in Christ. But that's what happens when the things that God requires of us, when we have step and we don't do it right, where are we really exhibiting faith in Christ? If Christ says, like you say, Sister Dudley, bring your tithe. And you say, I can't. I can only bring so much. Are you exhibiting faith? You're not. Because you're saying, you know what, Lord, I know what you're saying, but I believe that I can do this better than you can. And you're not exhibiting faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that's what happened to Cain. He didn't do it the way God required him to do it. And he did not exhibit faith. So in this text, as we look further, in verse 5, we see, But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. 
So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? His facial expression, his, his mood, his the spiritual vibe, all of that is what that was, his countenance. Now, why is God asking this question? Does God not know why he's the way he is? He's, he's asking the question because he wants us to understand why we don't know why. Uh, we think we know why. We give excuses We uh, why, say, the ties are only can bring this much because my check was shorter. This and that. We try to rationale why we do what we do instead of just totally stepping out on faith. So God already knows, but he brings it back to us so we can think about it of uh, uh, why we did what we did so we can understand that we're not exhibiting faith, that we're not trusting him. Absolutely. And he wants to get to the crux of the matter, and that is our sin. That's what he's getting at. He, well, that's right. We're not exhibiting faith and we, he's getting to the crux of our sin. He asking this question of Cain because he wants Cain to think about why is he angry? And why is Cain angry? Cain is angry because the lazy, slothful way he wanted to give an offering to God didn't get him kudos from the Lord. And his brother did it right and he mad because his brother makes him look bad. Sister Sam. Is this the same way he approached Adam and Eve when he was asking them, how do you know you naked? And, uh, That's right. Okay. Same thing. He's asking a question to cause them to think about their sin. Now, he's asking a poignant question here, and it's exactly what he did with Adam. To bring him there to say, you know, to be honest, I'm mad because... I had, you know, I just wanted to give you something. It was easy, and you didn't accept it. And my brother did it right, and you accepted it, and that makes me look even worse. That's why I'm mad. I'm not repentant. I'm not sorrowful. I'm mad. I'm mad because you don't want to do things, God, the way I want you to do them. And don't we get mad sometimes mm -hmm. when God don't want to do things the way we think he should do them. That's right. We got this plan. Huh? Yeah. We, we got this plan together how we want to run our lives and then God don't get on board with it and we mad. Lord, why? Why won't you get on board with this? You know, I come up with this wonderful plan. You know, in my own life, I mean, I, I, I just trying to be transparent. Here's how I thought. Now I was a, and I was a baby Christian at this point when I'm thinking crazy like this. Now watch this. And now I'm mad at God, right? I say to myself, okay, okay, this gal wants to get pregnant. And I want a baby. And we're going to get married anyway. So let's go ahead and do it. And then here comes the baby. Here comes all the trouble in the world. And I'm mad at God, like, well, God, why come this ain't working out? Why come you ain't taking care of it? Why come you, why come you ain't doing this? All the time, not even looking at my own scene. 
Now, God done told me how to act. He done told me how to walk. But I decide I'm going to go the way I want to go. And here it is 20-some years later, and I'm still dealing with the after effects of it all. Why? Because I wanted to do it my way, and early on I was mad at God. I was mad because I thought God should do it my way. I thought, this just makes sense. In my head, I'm like, this is how it should be. Because, hey, this is just, it just makes sense. But it didn't make sense. Only in my sinful head is all that made sense. And the Lord had to work with me and show me the error of my ways. But at the same time, continuing to teach me over these years of how the passing pleasures of sin have long-term effects. Real long-term effects. And so, no different than Cain. I was no different than him. I didn't kill somebody, but I thought, you know, hey, Lord, you ought to do this my way. And over the years, there have been situations and different things here and there that I thought it should go my way. And I said, well, hey, this is the way the Lord said, no, I'll do this. And I'll run into problems. But that same sin of Cain comes up in us. Over and over again. Sometimes the ramification ain't as, ain't as bad, but we, we get there through our choices, don't we? That's right. We make them choices because it looks so good to us. I mean, look, it's the same one Eve had. After all, shoot, yeah, that's it. God just don't want me to be like him. Uh, and that, you know, it's, it's not poisonous. Man, that looks good. I bet you it's sweet and, you know, it's very... Why not? Let me go ahead and eat it. Because I want to be like God. But you know what? When we look at that text, a lot of times we think the first lie is what Satan said. But I think the first lie is what Eve thought. And evidently Adam with her. That they weren't already like God. The text says he made them in the image. And, but they thought there should be something more that they needed. And sometimes we stretch out too far beyond what we're supposed to be doing because we think it ought to be something more. God's got me in this box, but I really want to be over here. And we dibble and dabble out somewhere and get caught up in something that's like a snare. But as each time we go through these experiences, we ought to get better in our choices, shouldn't we? We ought to start to say, you know what? The grass ain't greener over there. I don't care how Satan makes that look. I'm going to stay with God. Because I know when I stay with God, there's peace. When I stay with God, there's joy. When I stay with God, there's comfort. But when I get outside of that in some fantasy in my mind, it ends up with nothing but trouble, sometimes even despair. So as we look at this text, he asks that question. And then God comes back with a blessing for Cain. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And this desire is for you. But you should rule 
over it. What is the Lord saying to Cain? What is he saying? The choice is his. His choice is his. I mean, it's there for you. God's riches, love, peace, everything is, is there for you. I've given that to you, but it's up to you to make the choice of the road you take, you know. That's right. And the road he takes to do well is the road of doing what? Pleasing, Pleasing and following mm -hmm. God. That's right, obeying the Lord. But look at the text also. Look what it said. While, while he's telling him there, it's, it's in your choices. He's telling him also that sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Where did you see that before? That last part, where did you see that before? Didn't that seem familiar? Didn't that, didn't that last part of that line seem very familiar? Where did we see that before? When he told uh, Satan that he was going to bruise the heel. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now what does it say over in the third chapter? He said that you're going to bruise the heel. He'll put enmity. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. Go back a little bit before that. No, no, go to further than that. Go to 16. Second part of 16. Oh, when he told the woman that she and her desire will be to rule over the husband, but he will rule over her. That's right. Now, what did we say that meant? It looks like she'll be attracted to him. But we looked at the Hebrew and found out that it means to control him. Now, in the me, in the me, in the me. Red? Oh, okay. In the midst of that, now here in verse, here in uh, chapter 4, here's a parallel. The same thing is talking about Cain and sin. So sin will have a what? It will be wanting to do what? Control him. That's what he's saying when he says we'll have desire for him. It will have a desire to control him. But he must do what? Rule over it. So the Lord is saying, okay, Cain, the things you're doing right now, sin is right there. You've already stepped outside of my will, and you're out there where sin is at your door. And he's saying, and sin has the desire to control you, but you must master it. Now, how will... How will he master sin? By staying close to God. By staying close to God. And by obeying God's law. Mm -hmm. By obeying him. But Cain is outside. He really ain't listening. But the Lord just showed him how to get out of trouble. And don't he show us the same thing? When we get ready to sin, there is, that's right, there is no temptation such as common domain. But with it, he provides us a way of escape. He says that you will be able to bear it. And so he's just told him the formula to the answer. And with us, with the Holy Spirit, when we get ready to sin, 
all these flashing lights going on. You know, everything the Holy Ghost is telling us, don't do it, don't do it. And when we want to do something bad enough, we just push the Holy Ghost out of the way, stop signs, you know, knock the barricades down, and go for it. Don't go away. Don't we? Because in that very story that I told you about my early life, I had to run through some barricades. Holy Ghost that spoke to me had told me, uh-uh, this ain't right, you know, flashing lights and everything else. You know, Holy Ghost, get out the way, you know, stop signs, get down, you know, barricade. I'm going to do what I want to do because I think this is the way it's supposed to be. I know, Lord, what you say, but I want to do it my way. Now, look here at Cain. He's got the same flashing lights going off. He's got the same stuff going for him. The Lord is speaking directly to him. Some of us might say, well, you know, if the Lord was right there with me, talking to me like that, I wouldn't do the things that I, I... Really? How much more is the Holy Ghost inside of us? And we still do it. He lives in us. And we still do what we want to do. Now, look at the text. Then after all of that, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. He ran through all the stop signs. He ran through it all and still missed it. And uh, missed the whole point. And ended up killing his brother. Sin has its end in death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But in the sin, the sin, when it is full grown, it ends up in death. So we go back to what parents do in moderation. Their children do in excess. And that is. Because I can say that in my own life. I see some things and I'm like, oh my God. And you know, I go back, Lord, forgive me for what I did. <laughs> yeah, because I know this starts with me. And so, I mean, it's a humbling thing. Hindsight is a real humbling thing when the Lord shows you these things and you start to see the after effects of your own sin. And especially when it drops into the generations after. Boy, it's a painful thing too. But here, how much, how painful could this have been for Adam and Eve? And they know this would never have happened if they hadn't have disobeyed God. And now they got a son who's dead, who was killed by the other son. First two of the second generation and one's dead. But you know what? That saying up there goes even further. Because look in, look in chapter 4. Let's move on a little further. Let's go down to verse 16. Sister McDaniel, would you read verses 16 through verse 24? That is correct. Chapter 4. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. All right. Cain had 
sexual relations with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Mm -hmm. Then Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. Uh, hold on just a second. A okay. uh, uh, real quick uh, note here. This is not the Enoch that walked okay. with God and was translated. Okay, keep going. Okay, Enoch. Enoch had a son named Arad. 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 Arad became the father of, now I do not know that word. <laughs> Mehujalel? Mehujael? Okay, I'm going to say him. Okay. <laughs> became the father of Mehujalel. What is that again? Mahujael and Methushael. Okay. So it says that name again. Yeah. Became the father of Lamech. <laughs> Lamech married two women. The first was named Ada, and the second was Zila. Huh? Ada gave birth to Jabal, or Jabal, who was the first of those who raised livestock with livestock and lived in tents. His brother's name was Jubal, the first of all who played the heart and flute. Lamech, other, other wife, Zelah, gave birth to a son named Tubal. Mm hmm. Tubal Cain. He became an expert in forging tools of, of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain, his name, had a sister named Nama. One day, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zelah, hear my voice. Listen to me, you wives of Lamech. I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone who kills Cain is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. Amen. There's a lot in this text. <laughs> no, There's man. a whole lot in this text. Yeah, the names, that genealogy was tough. But, but there's, something, there's something instructive in this genealogy. I know it's a lot of the this and that and begat this and begat, but there's something huge in here. And it goes right back to what's on the board. All these kids from the three, is that what you can Okay, say? okay, okay. Watch it, watch this, Sister McDane. Back up to uh back up to verse 17. What's the first part of 17? That's it. Right there. Stop right there. He had Sexual relations with his wife. Ah. Hold that. Now go to verse 19. <laughs> what does that say? There we go. <laughs> now, we already, God has established in chapter 2 the marriage covenant. Mm -hmm. One woman, and one, one man. man. Mm -hmm. And we look at this sometimes, we say, well, you know, all these people had multiple wives in the, just because it's a historical narrative doesn't mean it's right. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean it's right. It's in the Bible, Cain killed Abel, but that ain't right. And just because they had multiple wives doesn't mean it was right. Here's a problem right here. Now, here's some generations down the road, and the sin getting worse, ain't it? <laughs> Now, Lamech has now got two wives. He's done broke the marriage cover. I mean, he's the nicest polygamist, right? It's all because sin entered the generation, starting at Adam and Eve. Now this thing is getting worse. What parents do in moderation, 
their children do in excess. Look at what. Now, little Mac, what did he say to his wives in verse 23? Boy, we're running out of time. What did he say? He said, hear my voice. Uh -huh. Listen to me. Listen to me, that's right. He, even, uh, he demanded that they listen to Listen to me. Yeah. He, have, he, he said, I have killed a man who attacked me, a young man who wounded me. If someone kills Cain, is punished seven times, then the one who kills me will be punished 77 times. Ah. What? Okay, Lamech got so much stuff going on here. Uh, first, he got his polygamous for one, and he, he ain't bothered by that. Because probably Lamech was thinking, you know, if one wife is good, two is even better in his mind. Who knows? In his mind, he's like, man, it's got to be better. Because he wanted to do what he wanted to do, not what God wanted him to do. And through his sinfulness, he becomes arrogant. Because in this little monologue he's got going on here, he's saying, you know, why is this to me? You know, I'm the big bad dude. Here we go. I, you know, me, Lamech, listen to what I got to say. Man, I've killed a man for wounding me. Man, he hit me. Man, it made me cut me. And man, I killed him, man. Because nobody, nobody tries to fight with Lamech. See, hear that, hear that arrogance, hear that, hey, I'm bad. I'm, you know, I'm somebody great. But that ain't of God. That's pride. And pride becomes before a fall. But God gives grace to the humble. But he ain't humble at all. He, he's, not, he's not even concerned about what he's doing. Here he is, a murderer, and he's got his chest stuck out. What parents do in moderation, their children do in excess. Generations down the road, this thing is getting worse. Now Lamech says, even a young man for hurting me. Yeah, you know, I got some years on me. But that young rascal thought he could handle me, and I showed him who was boss. That's how he's talking. If we talk in our language today, that's exactly how he's talking. And then what does he say? In verse 24, he says, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, what is he looking at? He's looking at who my grand daddy was. Who's my great granddad or great 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 granddaddy was and he killed somebody and, and the Lord put a mark on him and if anybody messed with him there you go. The Lord was going to get them. So now this Lamech and his arrogance and his sinful ways So he's saying somebody touched him they're really going to get it. That's exactly right. And he has no regard to God's law. He's not humble he don't care nothing about God's law. He's caring about himself. He's conceited. He's a murderer, a polygamist, and it's not bothering him a bit. Now he's got his chest out talking about now God will, you know, basically avenge him. Now he's so much greater than his, you know, his ancestors were. His ancestor Cain, he's so much greater that God's going to really do for him. He's all about himself. More sin. But look how many times magnified this is than what we saw earlier. Proof positive that 
what parents do in moderation, the kids or the children do in excess. Now, what is that? What's excess? Excess in abundance. Oh, abundance. Oh. Yeah. So oh. the things in moderation, a little bit, little bit. gets amplified oh, okay. in the children. This thing gets so bad. And this thing gets so bad, by the time we get to chapter 6, the Lord saying, you know what? Enough's enough. That's it. That's for old. That's why the blood had to happen. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Now, that's, now, that's, now, the blood had to happen for those who would call on his name right. because they were sinful. Right. But no, that's why the flood had to happen. That's what I said. Oh, oh, not the blood. You said no, flood. Said that's why the flood happened. Yeah, the flood. That's what I'm saying. Because the flood, because the Lord said that's it. Yeah, right. But so this I thing is continuing. Uh -uh, it did sound flood. like blood. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sorry. sorry about that, sis. <laughs> flood. The flood. Yeah. Because it just keeps just, on magnifying. Where we are today. That's right. Oh, man. Look. Just it's out of time. I mean, just, just a generation ago, mm -hmm. or maybe two. But anyway, you could go out at night right. and you could be out at 12 o'clock at night and not even afraid right. Right? Right. that right. you was going, right. somebody's going to kill you or hurt you or anything. You're out on bicycles or walking. But okay. sin was still going on. But sin was going on. Now, now people feel like this is me and you just got to accept me. But just yeah. like this is sin. Because that's the sin like that's in the children or Ex in excess. Well, God bless y'all tonight. Let's get out and get out of here. Well, good to see y'all tonight. Amen. Amen. Reverend, good to have you tonight.